Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, A Man of Means, Chapter 4. The Hart Ranch was almost as Meredith had pictured it, with neat wooden fences concealing electrified fencing, improved pasture land and cattle everywhere. There were also pastures with horses, and there was a barn big enough to storm a commercial jet, but she loved the house itself, with its graceful arches, reminiscence of a Spanish architecture, and the incredible number of small trees and shrubs around it. In the spring, it must be glorious! There were two ponds, a decorated one in the front of the house, and a larger one behind the house, which a handful of ducks shivered in the November sun. Do you have goldfish in the pond? She asked excitedly as Ray stopped the car in front of the house on an inland stone driveway. Goldfish and koi, he answered, smiling reluctantly at her excitement. We have a heater in the pond to keep them comfortable during the winter. There are water lilies in there, too, and a lotus plant. Does the other pond have goldfish, too, where the ducks are? She wondered. Leo chuckled. The other one is because of the ducks. We had to net this pond to keep them out of it so we'd have some goldfish. The ducks were eating them. Oh, I see. She sighed. It must be beautiful here in the spring, she said dreamingly, not in the gazebo in the rose garden and stone seats and shrubs around the goldfish pond. It's beautiful to us year-round, Leo told her with lazy affection. We all love flowers. We've got some more roses in a big flower garden around the back of the house. Near a stand of pecan trees, Tess is taking courses in horticulture. She works with hybrids. I love roses, Meredith said softly. If I had time, I'd live in a flower garden. <laughs> I suppose cleaning rooms is time-consuming. Ray murmured sarcastically as he got out of the car and went in the front door of the house. Leo glanced at her curiously while Ray was out of your shot. Do you clean rooms? I don't, she told him with a sharp grin. But I'm living down to your brother's image of my assets. Leo pursed his lips. Now that's interesting. You sound like a woman with secrets. More than you'd guess, she told him only, but none that I'm ashamed of. She added quickly, just in case he got the wrong idea, right? Ray doesn't like you, does he? He murmured almost himself. I wonder why. It's not like him to pick on sick people. I'm not sick, she asserted. I'm just battered, but I'll heal. Sure you will. Leo promised mine. You'll be safe here. The only real chore you'll have is baking. By the time you're completely back on your feet, your father will be sober and in counseling, and your home life will have changed drastically. I hope so. She said huskily. You watched your eyes grow tragic and haunted. Meredith, he said slowly. He said slowly. If you need to talk ever, I can listen without making judgments. She wanted his clear dark eyes. Thanks, Leo. She said with genuine gratitude. But talking won't change a thing. It's a matter of learning to live with things. Now I'm intrigued. Don't push, she said gently. I'm not able to talk about my problems yet. They're too fresh, too painful. I'm more than just your father, or I'm a dirt farmer. He dropped, she dropped, perhaps. Anyway, just take your time and let the world pass you by. You're going to love it here, I promise. Am I? She watched Ray come back out of the house with an elderly later in tow, wrangling her hands on her apron. That's Miss Lewis. 
Leotard, we talked her into coming back to bake biscuits for us. Even though she's retired, but now we're losing her to arthritis. She's going to show you the ropes, but not right now, he added quickly. No time like the present, Harrison disagreed with a smile. Busy hands make busy minds. I know how that works, Leo murmured drolly. Ray opened the back door and helped Meredith out. Mrs. Lewis, this is Meredith Jones, our new cook. Meredith, Annie Lewis, she's retiring. Again, he made it sound like a shooting offense. Oh my, yes, I'm losing the use of my hands, I'm afraid. Mrs. Lewis said, glad to meet you, Miss Jones. Glad to meet you too, Mrs. Lewis, Meredith replied. I'll take your bag to your room while Mrs. Lewis shows you around the house, Ray added. She just got here. Leo protested, and there's no time like the present to show her the house. Ray replied, that's just what she said. Leo sighed. Ray glanced at Meredith, who gave him a wicked grin, and followed along behind Annie Lewis, who was making a violent effort not to ask about the terrible bruises on Meredith's face. It's a big, sprawling house, and it takes a lot of cleaning, Mrs. Lewis said. She led Meredith down the long hall and opened doors to the very masculine bedrooms, both with dark, heavy Mediterranean furniture and earth tones in the drapes and carpets. The men aren't messy, thank God, but they track in all that mud and dust and animal fur. They have a beige carpeting when I came here. She glanced at Meredith with a cigarette. Red mud? You spoke come out of beige carpets? Or anything else, Meredith added on a soft laugh. They won't. They work hard and they're away a lot. But the foreman lives in the bunkhouse with a couple of bachelor cowboys, and they'll look out for you. I don't know that I'll be here very long, Meredith replied quietly. They offered me the job so that I can have time for these to heal. She touched her face, looked straight at the older woman who was struggling not to ask the question in her eyes. Nobody will hurt you here, Mrs. Lewis said firmly. Meredith smiled in. My father got drunk and beat me up, Mrs. Lewis, she explained matter-of-factly. He's a good and kind man, but we've had a terrible tragedy to work through. He hasn't been able to cope with it except by losing himself in a bottle, and now he's gone too far and he's in jail, she said. I tried so hard to help him, but I couldn't. <laughs> Mrs. Lewis didn't say a word. She put her arms around Meredith and rocked her in them. The shock of it brought the tears that she'd held back for so long. She wept until her body shook with sobs. Ray, looking for her, stopped dead in the doorway of his bedroom. Met Mrs. Lewis's misty eyes over Meredith's bowed shoulders. Shocked him to see that feisty, strong woman collapse in tears. It hurt him. Mrs. Lewis made a gesture with her eyebrows and a severe look. Ray acknowledged it with a nod and a last glance at the younger woman as he walked back back down the hall. Supper was righteous. Meredith had made a huge pan of homemade biscuits and ferreted out all sorts of preservatives to go with them. For an entree, she made fajitos with lean beef and sliced vegetables, served with wild rice in a salad. Dessert was fresh fruit and fresh whipped cream, the only concession beside the biscuits that she made to fat calories. She also found some light margarine to set out. This is good, Ray commented as he glanced at her. We usually have broiled or fried steak with lots of potatoes. Not bad once a week or so, but terrible for your cholesterol, she pointed out with a smile as she finished her salad. Clean beef is okay for you, but not in massive doses. 
You sound like a dietitian. Leo chuckled. Modern women have to keep up with health issues, she said evasively. I'm responsible for your health while I'm working for you. I have to be food conscious. That's fine. Ray told her flatly. But don't put tofu and bean sprouts in front of me if you want to stay here. Her eyebrows are, I hate tofu. Thank God. Leo sighed as he buttered another biscuit. I got fed tofu salad the last time I went to the Brewster's. For supper, he added with absolute disgust. I ate the olives and the cheese and left the rest. I can't say that I blame you, Meredith said laughing because he looked so forlorn. Johnny Brewster thinks tofu is good for him. Ray commented, but she thinks he needs therapy more. He doesn't like fish. She says that has some sort of connection to his fear of deep water. He glanced at his brother with wicked affection. She's a psychology major. She already has an associate degree from our local junior college. She's 20, Leo said with a twist of his lower lip. She knows everything. She just got her associate degree this spring, Ray added. Good. Maybe she'll get a job in New York, Leo said darkly. Why New York? Meredith asked curiously. Well, it's about as far east as she can go and find her sort of work, Leo muttered. And she'd be out of my hair. Ray gave him a covert glance and finished his fajitas. Meredith finished her own meal and got up to real full coffee cup. She had a feeling that Leo was more interested in the nobrious Brewster girl than he wanted to admit. We need groceries, she told them when they she served dessert and they were eating it. Mrs. Lewis made me a list. You can use one of the ranch trucks to drive to town, Leo suggested carelessly. Her fingers toyed with her fork. I haven't driven in several months. You don't drive, Ray exclaimed, shocked. She couldn't meet his eyes. I take buses? Charles made her feel guilty. Why? She remembered a day she should have driven. The memories were horrible. Meredith, it's all right. Leo said gently, sensing something traumatic about her behavior. I'll drive you, okay? You won't, Ray replied. You're in worse shape than she is, which brings up another point. You don't need to be walking around town like that, he told her. She wasn't offended. It was a relief. She even smiled. No, I don't guess I do. Will you do the shopping? She asked him, her wide, soft eyes steady on his. Felt wild, little thrill shooting through his body at the impact. It's been years since he'd been so shaken by eye contact alone. He didn't move, <laughs> just stared at her, his dark eyes unblinking. Curious, his body rippled with vague hunger. Leo, watching the eye contact, tried not to grin. He cleared his throat, and Ray seemed to remember that he had a forkful of fruit halfway to his mouth. He took it to the rest. He took it the rest of the way and chewed it carefully before he spoke. I'll get the groceries. Ray volunteered. He glared at both of them, noting the shaved place where Leo had stitches near the back. Of his Obviously, I'm the only one here who can walk around without drawing curious stares from bystanders. Leo buttered another biscuit. That sounds like your Sounds like sour grapes to me. If you want attention, try walking around without your pants. I didn't say I wanted attention. Ray returned hotly. Good thing. He glanced at Meredith with a mischievous smile. It looks like hell without his pants. He said conversationally. Hairiest legs of the bunch. That's the debatable. Ray shot by. You aren't much better. <laughs> What a good thing you two aren't Scottish, Meredith said demurely. 
took a minute for them to get it. Then Leo burst out laughing, trying to picture his younger brother in a kilt. Ray lifted a corner of his thin mouth, but he wasn't in a smiling mood. It bothered him. The Merediths had been crying in Mrs. Lewis's arms that she didn't drive, that she was a mysterious about her life. So mysterious about her life. She was 23, almost 24. Most women by that age had been involved in a serious relationship, some more than others. Many had been married. His heart skipped. Was that her secret? He remembered watching her rubber ring finger in the car. He glanced at it curiously. She didn't wear a ring. There was no signs that she'd been wearing one there. She didn't act married. She hadn't talked about having a husband. She was single, apparently by choice. But had there been men in her past? He was still carrying scars from his one great love affair from the deception he'd endured. Meredith had gone out walking to a party in a rig that made her look like a prostitute, and she'd been comfortable doing that. It wasn't something an innocent girl would have considered. Knowing that, he looked at her in a different way. Spectatively, she had a nice figure, and she wasn't all flushing smiles like Jamie Brewster when Leo was around. Meredith was oddly mature for her age, almost matronly. She seemed to be used to giving instructions, too. She was a puzzle that disturbed him. What if she was hiding something sordid in her past? He and Leo had taken her in on faith and pity, but now he wondered if they made a terrible mistake. She was in league with the men who robbed Leo. They might have a dangerous situation developing. What if she planned the whole thing as a means to an end? Basically, Ray didn't trust her. He wasn't going to let down his guard either, no matter if looking at her did raise his blood pressure. She wasn't going to know that she did, and he'd keep his eyes open all the time, just in case. The days turned to a week. Meredith's painful bruises faded slowly. She lost some of the brooding sadness that seemed to cling to her like the jeans she wore around the house when she was working. She found the slower, easier pace strange, and she missed the urgency of her daily routine. But as the days went by lazily, she realized that she hadn't really given herself time to think. She avoided it, ignored it, hoping that the past would vanish. Now she was face to face with it, forced to reflect on what had happened. She sat beside the fish pond one Sunday afternoon between chores and watched the goldfish under the surface of the dark water as they moved sluggishly. The water wasn't frozen, but it was cold. The pond heater only kept a small area heated, so the fish were limited in movement. She could imagine how it would be to sit here in the summer and watch them move around in the watery world with flowers blooming all around. She loved planting flowers. She missed her home. Her bulbs and shrubs, the familiar things she accumulated around her, now was all gone, sold without a second thought to make the memories bearable. It was too late, and she wished she'd been more sensible. There were things she should have kept. Mike's stupid baseball cap, the one he always wore on the rare occasions when he wasn't working and when he went fishing. She missed her mother's collection of small silk china boxes and her pretty evening gowns. She turned all those things away. At the time, it had seemed reasonable to cut all the ties with the past. It didn't. Now, the sound of a truck pulling up to the front door caught her attention. Ray and Leo had been out of town for two days, attending another cattle convention, this time in Denver. They climbed out of the cab of the big six-wheeled pickup truck and retrieved their suitcases from the back, waving as the ranch truck pulled right out again and took off down the road. Meredith got up and went to join them. Want some coffee and pie? She asked with a smile. <laughs> that would really hit the spot, Leo said, returning the smile. I hate commercial flights. You're the smart guy who said our jet needed to be overhauled. 
Ray reminded him. It did, Leo replied. Ray was looking at Meredith openly. The bruises are fading. You have more color, too. I've been getting out in the sunlight, she replied easily. I like to watch the fish, even though they don't move much. We might put a big aquarium inside, Ray remarked, unaware of his brother's quick carries length. I like fish myself. They've done studies, Meredith volunteered as they stood aside to let her enter the house first. They say watching fish swim is coming. It helps relieve stress. God knows we could use some of that, Leo chuckled, especially when cattle prices fall and feed prices go through the roof. Cattle raising must be a complex process, she remarked. Very complex, Ray said. He frowned as he watched while hips or yes. She laughed subconsciously. Oh, yes, it is. How did you know? <laughs> you got a light limp on the right side. Barely noticeable. She rubbed her hips up constantly. I fell on that side the night Dad hit me. She told him the floor is pretty hard. <laughs> There's a whirlpool bath in your bedroom. Ray reminded her. That'll help the soreness. I discovered that. She said, What a luxury. We only have a shower at home, and it's temperamental. Ray gave her along. When... We've had time to catch our breath. I'll see what I can find out about your father, if you like. Her face bright. That would be nice. She smiled slowly, like in the way her pale eyes seemed to glow when she was pleased. She wasn't bad looking at all, and her figure was just about perfect. They wondered how she could have remained single for so long, with her homemaking skills, not to mention her sweet personality and that knockout body. She was watching him with equal apprehension. And totally unaware of it, he had a lithe, powerful physique that made her think of Rodeo. He walked with a unique sort of grace, and he didn't stoop or slouch, ever. She liked his eyes best of all. They were almost liquid brown, and they had black rims around pupils. He was rugged and sensuous, and she looked at his white thin mouth and wondered for the first time how it felt to kiss it. Her thoughts were a fighter. She dragged her eyes away and excused herself in an absent fluster to go make coffee. Leo lifted both eyebrows and stared at his brother after she was out of ear. Well, well, he murmured. He murmured. You do seem to be making an impression on her. Cut it out, Ray said testily. And vice versa. Came the irritated reply. Ray made a rough sound in his throat and stomped off down the hall to his room. He put down a suitcase, took off a suit and dress shirt, and got into jeans and check checkered. <laughs> got into jeans and a checkered long sleeve work shirt, glanced at himself in the mirror, and he buttoned it up. His eyes blinked as he recalled the wild flush on Meredith's cheeks. Shouldn't please him. He didn't trust her. She could be trying to play them all. Suckers. But he smiled. Just the same. Meredith had coffee and cherry pie and saucers on the table by the time the brothers were changed when walking into the kitchen. Coffee's fresh, she said. Aren't you having any? Ray asked. I have to get the clothes into the dryer. She excused herself with a quick smile. Yeah, if you need anything. She was gone in a flash. Ray stared broadly, bro broodingly at his pie and frown. She didn't want to have coffee with them? Why? You make her nervous, Leo said, answering the unspoken question. She knows you don't trust her. Ray frowned as he nibbled at his pie and some coffee. I don't know her. He replied he gave his brother's finger. We've always done background checks on employees. I don't think we should make an exception of her, even though she's temporary. Translated, that means you want to know more about her than you do. Leah Chalkman, maybe I do, Rayquist. But she's in the position to do a lot of damage if she isn't what she seems. You could have been killed or suffered brain damage.
He had a crew of cheese and cahoots with the guys who mugged you. He let the sentence trail off maintenance. Leo grimaced. I don't like poking in people's private business, he replied, but you're right. It's risky not to check her out. I'll get the agency on the first thing tomorrow. Ray said he took another bite of the She's a hell of a good cook. He murmured, makes good coffee, too. Leo commented. They looked at each other and grimaced. It was going to upset Meredith if she found out what they were up to. But it was too much of a gamble not to find out what they could about her background and character. On the other hand, Leo promised himself he was going to intercept that background check before Ray had a chance to see it. If Meredith had secrets she was hiding for a good reason, he wasn't going to give her away to Ray. It took several days for the private detective to get to the case and send the report to the hearts. Ray was out of town at one day seminar on a new spreadsheet computer program the brothers were using for her records when the report arrived. Leo carried the report into his office and closed the door while he read it. When he finished, he let out a harsh breath. So that was Meredith's secret. No wonder her father drank. No wonder she was so persistent and quiet about her past. He smiled as he considered her true profession, and he was determined that Ray wasn't going to know about it until disclosure was inevitable. Ray was too prone to, con prone to conclusion jumping and rushing to judgment. It was about time he had a set down, and Meredith was just the woman to give it to him. Meredith... Meanwhile, he let Ray work on hanging himself. Obviously, Meredith was enjoying her anonymity, and considering the high power pressure of her daily job, wasn't surprising that she found mundane housekeeping a nice change. Wouldn't hurt to let her enjoy the vacation from stress without probing into her feelings. No doubt she still felt the grief even after several months. Touched the report with idle fingers, fingers frowning as he recognized one of the names on it. Mike had been a Houston policeman. He was also a friend of Coltrane Banks, a Texas Ranger, and cousin of the Hearts, who worked out of the Houston Ranger's office. Really was a small world. He wanted to tell Meredith that he remembered Mike, but he didn't want to blow her cover. He also didn't want her to know that they'd been checking up on her. He put the file under the filing cabinet, deliberately putting it under the wrong letter of the alphabet. If Ray asked, he'd just tell him that the agency was working on it, but had other more urgent cases to assign agents to first. Meredith was alone in the house when Ray came in late that night from his business trip. Leo had gone to dinner at the Brewster's house again, presumably at the invitation of Janie's father, to talk about a new breeding bull the Brewsters were trying to sell him. She just started the dishwasher and was ready to turn off the lights in the kitchen when she heard Ray come in. He paused in the kitchen doorway, a black Stetson slanted over one dark eye, wearing a gray vested suit that clung lovingly to the hard muscular lines of his tall body. Meredith felt ragged by comparison in her jeans and red t-shirt and bare feet. Her hair was disheveled because she'd been scrubbing the floor with a brush. She wasn't wearing makeup. She hadn't expected to see either of the brothers before she went to bed. Raised dark eyes went to her pretty feet and he smiled. And he smiled. You don't like shoes, do you? She grimaced. No, and it's not good to go without them. No arch support. She studied his lean face. He had dark circles under his eyes. Would you like some coffee and something to eat? I would, he said. They gave me peanuts on the plane. He added with absolute disgust. She chuckled. The sound was pleasant, and Ray was surprised at how it touched him to hear her laugh. I'll make you a nice, thick, low-fat ham sandwich with sauce. Thanks, he said, sliding the chair out so that he could straddle it. He tossed his hat into the chair beside him, ran a hand through his thick, dark 
make the coffee first, and there it is. I've got paperwork that has to be done tonight before the accountant comes to do the books in the morning. Can it wait? She asked him. You look worn to a frazzle. You need an early night. His eyes searched her. I don't need mothering. He said, angered, out of all proportion. She flushed and turned away. She didn't apologize or say another word, but her hands shook as she filled the coffee pot and started it brewing. Ray cursed himself silently for snapping at her. It was unkind, especially after she volunteered to feed him. She'd been working hard, too. He could see the spotless floor and the brush and bucket she'd been using on it. She must have done it on her hands and knees. It was a big kitchen, too. He wasn't the only one who was tired. He got up from the chair, moved to stand just behind her. His lean hands caught on her small waist, pulled her back against him. I'm sorry, he said, his voice deep and husky with sudden emotion. Her cold fingers came to rest on his, and her whole body went rigid as a flash of white-hot pleasure shot through it. She caught her breath. He heard it, his own body taunted, and the hands around her waist suddenly grew possessive, rough, insistent as they pulled her tight against him. He could hear a breathing change. He could feel the faint tremor of her hands over his. Impulsively, he bent his head, and his mouth touched the side of her cheek. End of chapter 4.